Last time I was with y'all, we were in the movie theater. How many of you came from the movie theater? All right, how many of you joined the church at this location? Wow, wow, man, praise the Lord. Listen, I have a great message for you tonight, but I, I hope you'll allow me to interject a little bit about what the Lord's done through our church uh, over the past five years and how we're looking at y'all, man. You guys are doing it. We're, we're in a similar situation that y'all just finished. And so how I many you know God, uh, the kingdom of God, needs each person doing their part, uh, being there for one another, and, and even though things are happening here in Lake Charles, we're still with you here in Lake Charles. We believe y'all are with us in Lafayette, and the kingdom of God is advancing in Louisiana. So I'm thrilled about those two things right there. Why don't we go tonight, before I start, let's just go to the Lord with prayer. Babe, if you wouldn't mind, pick up my phone and start that for me. That'd be great. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the amazing opportunity that we have to gather in your house, Father God, with this great church, these great pastors. Father, this a phenomenal vision to see this area and this region one for you. Father, I thank you that tonight there's a word that's upon my lips, that Father God, that's going to come out and penetrate the hearts of those that are here. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to individually uh, tailor this to each person here tonight, that they may hear it with ears to hear and with eyes to see and to implement it into their lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I can't believe it's been five years that you guys have started this church. That's phenomenal. I don't know. I'm not one of those uh, numbers guys, and maybe you are, and I'm, I don't want to offend you, but I'm just not a numbers guy. Like numbers, I don't really dig into numbers and get weird with it, you know. Um, I don't like if I book a hotel room, I don't have to ask them what's the room number first because, you know, superstition or I don't like sixes or I don't like eights or whatever it may be, but five is a good number. It really is a good number. Matter of fact, five is the number for favor, the number for grace. And this is your fifth year. And I believe that God's favor and his grace is upon you. And just being able to see this church uh, from the very beginning, and even though we're not here every week, we, we know your pastors, we know their heart, their vision, and to see what God's been doing in your lives. How many of your lives have been affected by this church? Amen. Come on. Can we give your pastors a hand just for a moment? Can we just honor your pastors? I know it's not October. It's not Pastor Appreciation Month. But we don't have to wait till October, just like we don't have to wait till Easter to talk about the resurrection, right? We can, we can honor your pastors anytime, any place. And, and I can tell you this, many of you, your life uh, has started when you got connected to this vision. You may not recognize it, but I believe God's going to begin to show you some of those things. So tonight, I want to take you to a story in the Bible. Go with me to Isaiah 54. Um, our church started uh, eight years ago, and it was me and my wife, and at that time, we had two kids, very similar to this. Now we have five kids. I, I did bring a picture, just so you believe me. If you wouldn't mind, could you put the picture of my kids and my family up? There's my amazing family. Of course, I have my wife. Babe, stand up, turn around. Wave at everyone. Show them your cartwheels. Can you, she's really good at cartwheels. I'm just kidding. Don't show them cartwheels. But we have five amazing kids. Uh, on the far left, that's my six-year-old Landon. And then next to me is Gavin in my hands. She's the cherry on top. That's Hadley. And then Dylan, they're twins, in case you didn't know that. They're not just the same height because one's shorter. And then on the far right, that's my oldest son, Jaden. And so God has blessed us. We are dedicated to growing our church. 
When we started this church, we said, well, do whatever it takes to grow this church. So we just started having kids, man. So all the ladies, raise your hands and say, Lord, put children in my womb so I can grow River Church. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. But you have a baby in the back. How cute. How old? Six weeks. Congratulations. Praise the Lord. So they're doing their part. Come on, ladies. They did their part. Y'all need to do your part. Let's grow this church, right? But in Isaiah, the Bible, every chapter in the Bible is is a chapter you should read and you should really uh, take to heart. But this chapter, I believe, is a chapter not only have you already lived as a church, but I believe God wants you to keep living. And he says this. I want, before I read it, I want to I read a quote to you because I believe this will set the foundation for tonight's message. Joel A. Barker said this. He said, vision without action is merely a dream, but action without vision just passes the time. But vision with action can change the world. See, a lot of us, we have vision, but we don't put feet to it. So what are you doing? You're just dreaming. You're daydreaming. River Church is not daydreaming. River Church has vision and it has action. But if you have action with no vision, you're just spinning your wheels. But when you mix those two, when you have a vision for your life, when you have a vision for something that God has given you and you take steps towards it, you begin to fulfill that very dream. And I believe God wants tonight to tell you your visions and the plans that that he has for you and even the desires you have for yourself. If you'll catch what we're saying tonight, it's hooked to this church and God will begin to fulfill those things in your own life. Amen? And it's okay to say amen. I'm not going to get mad at you, I promise. How I many you know vision is not natural? Vision is supernatural. So for vision to be supernatural, God has a great plan for this church. However, it's going to require you as a member and your pastors, as, as shepherds, to take this vision and to put feet to it in a supernatural way. That means you can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So in Isaiah 54, God is speaking through his prophet a word that I believe he's speaking to you tonight. He says this in verse 2, message translation. It says, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large and spread out. I like this next word. He says, think big. I believe God's wanting you to think big this year. I know we're in February, and it seems like, you know, you usually talk lots of vision in January, but how about we just talk about it all year long? God wants you to think big this year. Well, he says, think big. And then he says, use plenty of rope and drive the tent pegs deep. And this is what I want you to catch tonight. He says, you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. See, God has a family called the body of Christ that he wants to grow here in Lake Charles. Now, you guys started off in the movie theater. Some of you were there. And and you dreamed of this day. Now you're here. It, It can't stop here. This is not where... You retire. I mean, year five is not, well, we did everything we we're supposed to do, and, and now we're just going to ride the wave. No, listen, God wants you to still make room for your growing family. That means not only corporately, but individually. God wants you to begin to expand your mind, your vision on how you can grow as an individual. Because really, the church is not brick and mortar. The church is not carpet. It's not red iron. It's not sheetrock. The church is you. And so when you grow, the church will grow. Healthy things are going to grow. When, when you're depleted, when, when you're deficient, guess what? The part that you have to contribute to this church is also depleted. It's also deficient. So we need the church to be the, the healthiest way that it can be. Well, here he's talking about clearing ground and making room. Well, all of you know when y'all cleared this ground here, it took a plan, right? It took purpose. It took uh, some, some engineering. It took action, right? 
And so it required not only for them to have a plan, but to see the plan. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. You've got to see the plan for your life. And you've got to begin to take steps towards that plan. Now, in 1 Kings 18, we all know the story of Elijah. We all know that he prayed for rain. Very familiar story. How many of you are familiar with that story? All right, for those of you who aren't, tonight's the night. You're going to learn a new story about a man named Elijah. Now, in this time, there had been a three-year drought where he actually was the, the person who caused the three-year drought. He prayed that it would stop raining. Now, the Lord told him to. But then later on, the Lord told him to pray that it would actually start raining. Now, if you have or know anyone who deals with agriculture or crops, when you don't have rain, things aren't happening. Famine had not only touched their crops, famine had touched every aspect of their life. And, and we are in a very similar situation. We're, we're all here in South Louisiana or Southwest Louisiana, and we know how the economy has touched this area. Not only that, we, we had the thousand-year flood hit us. I know y'all had floods, and it, it just seemed that it was like one thing after the other after the other. And I believe they were in a similar situation, except for they didn't have the floods. They had the, the absolute opposite of that, which was famine. I've heard this message preached so many different ways, but the Lord gave me this message for you tonight, and he gave me this message for the body of Christ that I believe if I present it to you in the way that he gave it to me, you'll catch it in a way that you can understand and really implement it here in this church. So this is what happens here in this story. It says that in verse 1, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, so this is the third year of the drought, saying, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. Now if we stop there, you would think if God spoke to you, He's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do, right? God's not a liar. He'll always do what he says he will do, right? But not everything in our natural eye looks the way that God spoke it to us in our spirit's eye, right? We started our church, our first service. Uh, we had 28 people show up. Second service, the 24 of them that were family and friends left, and we had four left. We started our church with four people. Now, when I was praying... Working on staff at the same church Pastor Kevin and Elizabeth were on staff at. Praying in my house. Praying in the spirit. Praying to God. God, show me something. And I was praying and the word Lafayette came out. So I just began to use that word Lafayette as a prayer focus for the rest of my time. In that, he began to tell us we would start a church in Lafayette and thousands of people would begin to come to this church. So I saw thousands. When I got to Lafayette, I saw four. <laughs> and that was confusing because the supernatural and the natural didn't line up in the visual. But I had to continue, and I remember praying one day, and I asked the Lord, I said, I don't get it, God. And he said, go back and put on the eyes that I showed you your church through when you were praying and believing me for something. He said, go back and put those lenses on. Put those eyes on. See, sometimes God speaks to you something, and you get excited, and you get out there, but it doesn't look like it pops up right off the bat. And so what happens is you start questioning, well, maybe I didn't hear from God, or maybe I missed it, or maybe my season here is over, or maybe this, or, or maybe that. And really what he's saying is, go back and put the lenses of faith back on, the lenses of vision back on, and see yourself through those eyes instead of through what you're seeing naturally. So he says here, go and present yourself to King Ahab, and I'm going to send the rain. The next verse doesn't say that. Next verse says, so he went, and that's good, right? He obeyed. 
He went and presented himself to the king, and it says, and there was a severe famine in, <laughs> in Samaria. Now, that's not at all what God said. God said there's going to be a big rain. He was used to famine. But now he's excited about the rain, and he shows up out of obedience, did what God told him to do, and bam, the famine is still there. Matter of fact, it calls it severe. Now, it's funny to me that many times in our lives, it's not funny when you're in it, but when you look back at it, it's, it can be funny. It can be comical. But when you're in it, it's like, now, this is frustrating. How many of you gods ever told you something, but yet it didn't happen quite as fast as you thought it was going to happen? Y'all can be honest in church. Don't lie. Raise your hand. If that's you, raise, okay, perfect. Now, the other ones that, that didn't have your hands raised, you're lying. <laughs> and we'll have an altar call for you after church because if you haven't experienced it yet, you will experience it. Not that God delays, not that God withholds. It's just that God is not moved by time like we are. God's not subject to economic challenges like we are. God operates in the realm of faith. And so we've got to make sure that we stay in the arena of faith when we're looking at the vision that God's given us. So I don't, I don't want to stay too long here, but I, I want you to see that clearly God told him he's going to send rain, and then clearly he shows up and there's famine, right? How many of you know that, that you would think that it would say when he got there, the rain began to come, the rain began to pour? But that's not what it states. It actually states the obvious. Tonight, if you're taking notes, write this down. Faith does not flinch at the obvious. Faith does not flinch at the obvious. It's not moved by the seen. See, your faith should not be shaken when something opposes a different view, a different option. Just like in marriage. When I got married, I thought home-cooked meals every night, right? I thought spotless house, like I saw you know, George Jetson and how his wife did it and the robot and they had all that. I watched Leave it to Beaver. I saw all these shows. I get married and I have an amazing wife. I have an amazing life. But I, I had to rethink what marriage was because I thought my wife grew up like my mom raised us where we bleached the baseboards every Saturday. I wake up Saturday, house don't smell like bleach. What's going on? My wife's still asleep, right? She didn't know. Her mom didn't bleach the baseboards. So I, I had this, this idea, but that doesn't mean I got to go, you know what? I, I, I want a divorce. I'm done. You kidding me? You don't know how to bleach a baseboard? I want a divorce. No. I had to keep my vision of what marriage really was before me, even when my eyes may not have seen what I thought I should have saw. Then we had kids, and I thought, my kids are going to adore me. They're going to love me. They're not going to rebel. They're not going to talk back to me. And then I saw a whole new picture, right? <laughs> We, had a, we started a church. Oh, this is going to be amazing. People are going to come running in droves. They will eat the word that we preach like it's the best thing ever. And then you start preaching, and this guy gets up and walks out, and this person never comes back, and you're going, this is not what I thought. I thought they would love me. I thought they would, they would, they'd want what we have. That's why God sent us. But you have to stick with the eyes that he gave you. See, Elijah had already heard from God. He already knew that God was sending rain, and that's all he had to know was he had a word from God. If you have a word from God, you have enough to stand on for the rest of your life until you see that word come to pass. Amen. And so Elijah already had a word from God that rain was coming the moment that he set eyes on Ahab. Now skip down to verse 41. We'll, we'll alleviate a lot of this story and just jump into the, to the meat. He says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, 
Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Now, that's not true. It's still severe famine. But he was hearing from a different set of ears. He was seeing with a different set of eyes. God was speaking to him not through natural means, but through supernatural means. So he begins to say, go and prepare. See, Elijah began declaring with his mouth what God had already spoken to his heart. I say that's a good template for you tonight. You need to begin to declare with your mouth what God has already been speaking to your heart. That means you don't just wait for it to happen. You begin to say, I believe this is going to happen for my life, for my marriage, for my health, for my career, for my children, for whatever your situation may be. I believe that what God's word says is actually so. And then you've got to prepare, right? you got to make room. you got to enlarge. you got to think big, right? So Elijah had a vision. Now he just needed somebody to hook with that vision. I remember when your pastor said they were going to come start a church. Guess what they needed? Somebody to hook with that vision besides just them. I know pastors that went out to start a church and their first service was just their wife and their kids sitting there. But they still preached the message. And then the next week, the kids stayed home because it was sick and it was just the wife. Right? But they kept preaching. They knew that God had told them what to do, had given them a word, and they kept preaching. They kept putting feet to the vision, action to the vision, right? Not just dreaming, not just spinning our wheels, but actually seeing the dream come to pass. Amen. And so Elijah began to get those who were with him to see the very vision that he was carrying. That's where we come into verse 44. And it says here, Actually, let's go to verse 42. So Ahab said, you know, uh, he told him to go eat and drink. And Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. And the Bible says he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. And so he went and he looked and he said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Now, I know you know the story, right? We know that the seventh time the rain came. And I'll, I'll read that to you in a minute. But I remember when the Lord gave me this very verse to look at, I began to say, now God, I've preached this many times, and I know what happened. He said, yeah, but go back and read it, and tell me when the climate actually changed. When did the climate of that area change? Because that's really what they needed was a climate change. They didn't need a man on a mountain praying. They needed rain, right? And so they needed to see climate change in their life. I believe there's a climate change coming for you this year. I believe for River Church, I believe for Lake Charles. I believe for Louisiana. I believe there's a climate change coming. I believe the the parts of our lives and our economy and our marriages and our families that have been touched by famine, it's over. Amen. Amen. It's over. So I believe there's a climate change. So I had to go back and see, when did the rain actually come? And I thought, well, God, it had to have been when Elijah prayed. And he said, no, go back and read it. And this is the deal. He sent his servant to go and look for rain. And guess what he came back and said? I don't see it. I don't see it. See, many people, when we started our church, we we begin to get up and say things like, we believe we're going to have 50 people in our church. And people will come and go, oh, bless your heart, pastor. That's, That's all you want is 50 people? No, that's not all I want. I need you to see 50. So we started this whole campaign. We see 50. And everyone was going, that's it. No, just come on. Stick with me. Let's get 50 people. We only have five right now. Let's get 50. That'd be great growth. And when we saw 50, you know what they did? They went, 
Pastor, you're right. We've been confessing this, and now it's here. They celebrated. They were excited. I said, guess what? Change the banners. We see 100. And we began to get them to see. I needed my team to see. Elijah sends his team. He goes, go out there and look. And he comes back. Man, I, I, I don't see it. <laughs> this abundance you're talking about, <laughs> I don't see it at all. Okay, go back and look again. Now, I, I think respectfully he probably went back a second time and was like, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, again. Sorry to interrupt your prayer there. You, know, you got your head between your knees, kind of awkward. You know, you're over here on a mountain. I don't know to interrupt you or not interrupt you, but I just want to say, hey, again, uh, there's no rain, so how about we try this tomorrow? Go a third time. Go a fourth time. How many you know probably if this was you on like number five or six, you're going, this guy's delusional. This guy's making me go over here when he could be going over here. And he could be looking. I already told him. I don't know why he doesn't believe me, right? He has his own battle. But on the seventh time, he comes back, and this is what he says. He says, well, I did see a cloud just about the size of a man's hand. I did see a cloud, right? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a cloud that big, but that's not going to make a big difference in severe famine. Nor is that going to be an abundance of rain that creates a sound of an abundance of rain. But he saw a glimpse. He saw a little piece of the vision. Now, that's not what Elijah saw, right? Because we see right here, the next thing he says, it came to pass in verse 44, that the seventh time he said, there is a cloud as, as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea, meaning I'm just beginning to see a little bit about what you're talking about. I'm just now seeing it. It's, it's starting to rise up in, in my vision, right? He says, so go up and say to Ahab. See, Elijah never deterred from what the Lord told him. He says, you go tell Ahab to prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now, I don't know that a cloud could produce that amount of rain that would stop you if it was just this big. But Elijah wasn't going off what his team saw. He was going off what he saw by God. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, Caleb, nothing changed in the climate until his team caught a glimpse of his vision. See, he could have went an eighth time, a ninth time, a tenth time. Again, I know seven is supposed to be God's number and we, you know, I, I'm just not that guy. But we know the seventh time this happened. But this is what I see tonight. I believe there's been a vision for five years that has been proclaimed to you. And you may have just gotten here last week, but it's been in this atmosphere. It's been over this community, over this city. Your pastors have said over and over and over again, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your family. God has a destiny for you. He has taught you faith and who you are in Christ, your authority as a believer. And he's talked about the vision. The vision was not just the building. The vision was the building of you. The building of your legacy, the building of your generations and your life. But until you catch a glimpse of what your pastors are saying, you'll still be going back looking. Because I used to tell people, oh, guys, we're going to have hundreds. And they come to church and go, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see it. And after year one and then year two, you know, it's like year three. I, they probably felt like that teammate, that, that servant going, yeah, you know, he keeps telling me it's going to be huge, but I don't see it. I'm not understanding it. I don't get when it's going to happen. But I promise you, if you'll stick with it long enough, if you'll just catch a glimpse long enough, you'll begin to see something change. 
I remember studying in our fifth year, and I believe this would be very relevant to you tonight. I heard this story about the Chinese bamboo tree. You, you may know what that is. You may not know what it is. But the Chinese bamboo tree is very, it's very unique in how it grows. And so when you plant the Chinese bamboo tree, you go back, you know, like the good planter that you would be, and you would check up on it after about a month to see if it sprouted up, but normally it doesn't sprout up after a month. Matter of fact, you go back in month two, month three, month six, month nine, year one, nothing. You planted, you watered, you fertilized, you checked on it, you expected nothing. A whole year. Now, most people would go, this stupid bamboo tree, Lowe's sold me some, some bogus seed, right? I'm going to Home Depot, see what they got, right? Or Steins, I'm going to see if they got something better, right? No, they just stuck with it. How many know the Chinese bamboo tree doesn't show anything after year one? Nothing after year two. Nothing after year three. Nothing after year four. But in the fifth year. In the fifth year, the Chinese bamboo tree shoots up 90 feet in six weeks. 90 feet tall. They said it's so so fast growing that you can almost stand and watch it grow. 90 feet in six weeks. Why is that? They said the first five years, it's producing such an enormous root system that will support its rapid growth. That what looks like nothing's happening, it's all happening underground. It's all happening below what the eye can see. But God knows that some rapid growth is coming in the fifth year that it will sustain and support even when the storms come and the winds come and the rains come and the floods come, right? Even when all this stuff comes, he knows the root system is down deep. Come on, River Church. Don't get upset at year two. Don't give up because of year three. Don't look at year five with, well, if we're going off year four's expectation, I don't know if it's going to be much different. Listen, you have to know what you've done is not in vain. You have to know that what God has spoken to you, it's not over. Until you have it manifested in your, your grips and your grasp, it's not over. If he spoke it to you, he wants you to have it in your life. If you can find it in God's word, you should be able to find it in your life. If God told you he's going to do something for you, then you white-knuckle that thing until you see it come to pass. Y'all know what that means? I'm from Texas, so we, we know what white-knuckles means, right? If you get on, a, on, a, on a, a bull and you're in the rodeo, you don't get off, man. You hold on to that thing. The Bible says to hold fast to your confession of faith without wavering. That means I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I got laid off, if I didn't get laid off. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what they say. All I know is what God said, and I'm going to stick with that. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so not everything that we see in the natural is a scale model of the vision. Not everything that we see in the natural is, you know, sometimes it says objects in mirror are closer than they appear or, or you know, you, you have these, these disclaimers of why it's not as big as it should be, right? Why it's an optical illusion. Just because he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand did not mean it was a small cloud. It may have just been a little further in the distance. But that vision came so close that the Bible says it actually began to rain, a deluge of rain. Now, understand what he said here. He said to him, 
Prepare your chariots or the rain will stop you. This is what I want to say to you tonight, church. You got to prepare. You have to prepare. Not too long ago, I just started thinking about all the things that I wanted in our church, the growth that I had been praying for. And so one, one Sunday, we have three services now because uh, our building is just not big enough for, for the growth that we've had. And so we've went to two services. We went to three services. And, and now, this year, we're going to be getting out of this building. We believe, God, we're going to build a church just like you guys did. Amen. We have land, and we're going to pay it off, and we're going to build that church. Amen. It's going to happen. But this is what I did. I, I walked over to my, my nursery, and I said, hey, guys, you know, the pastor and me, y'all are doing so good. Man, you look great. T-shirts are tucked in. Everything looks nice. It smells like Lysol in here. Looks great. Phenomenal. Now, I want to ask you a question. If 10 new families showed up today with 10 new babies, what would you do? And they were speechless. Well, pastor, we, we wouldn't know what to do. We couldn't handle it. I said, that's exactly why God wants to send us 10 new families then. We're not ready for it. And I began to realize we were not prepared for the growth we were asking for. See, my son, who's about to be 12, he'll be 16 one day. That's the day he wants a car. You know, if I was like a billionaire, which I will be one day, right? If I was this amazing billionaire, I said, you know what? Ah, Lamborghini for you, Ferrari for you. Like Oprah, you know, you get a Lamborghini, you get a Lamborghini, you get If I gave my son a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, it may make me feel good that I gave him something really cool, but it probably would hurt him. He's not ready for it. See, God will not give you something that you can't handle because it would hurt you. God loves you too much to give you something that would stop you. So what did he tell the king? You're going to have to prepare for this rain or this increase could be the very thing that stops you. See, God wants to fill this church. But this church is not a building with chairs. It's you. You've got to prepare. You've got to think big. You've got to lengthen your cords. You've got to strengthen your stakes. You've got to drive your own tent pegs deep. And then whatever ownership you have in this vision, whatever buy-in you've put in, you've got to say, pastors, I'll be willing to go deeper, to go the extra mile. I will be willing to prepare for whatever is to come. And you begin to undergird the vision. You begin to say, what's next? I talked to a pastor in my own community who's building a building right now and actually just finished it and dedicated it. And he's building it with the same builders that are bidding our job. So I thought, I'm going to go ask this guy, you know, did you like the builders? How did it go? So I said, man, tell me your story. How did it work? He goes, it's a crazy story, man. I didn't even want to build. I said, what? Because I didn't want to build. He said, Two businessmen in my church walked up to me and said, Pastor, we can't stay in this building. I mean, it's nice, but we've heard your vision. We can't stay in here. So we need to build a church. And he said, yeah, yeah, slow down. That sounds great. You know, but I see the offerings that come in. I know the, the, the expenses that have to go out. And he said, we're not ready to build this building. He said, Pastor, do you have a vision for a new building? He said, yes, I have a vision for a new building. They said, how much do you think it's going to cost? And he said, probably two and a half million dollars. So the guy said, well, I'll give a million. He'll give a million. Whatever's left over, we'll just split it. We're at the check right now. And immediately he said, I think we're ready to build. I think this sounds great. They built the church with cash, and now his church has tripled. What, what did they have to do? They had to prepare for what was to come. But they had people who undergirded the vision. They said, we believe in this vision enough to say, 
let us help. Now, I'm not here to take an offering tonight. I'm just here to let you know that you have a part to play in the expanding of this vision. But you have to see it. Even if you can just see a glimpse, even if you just catch a fraction of what your pastors are saying, that's enough for God to begin to move his increase into this climate, for the climate to change over your life. And I believe it's going to change over your family. I believe it's going to change over your church. Amen. I believe it's going to change big time. But see, when you begin to catch a glimpse of God's vision for your life, that's when you have to begin to prepare now. God showed you something. Now what are you going to do, sit and wait, or are you going to prepare? And that's what we have to do. We have to prepare. Well, verse 45 says, Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind, and and there was a heavy rain. And so Ahab rode away, went to Jezreel, and then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance. River Church, I came to tell you tonight that I hear the sound of an abundance of rain over your church. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain over this area, over your family. It's not just a a cliche thing to say tonight. I truly believe there is a sound. But the question is, is do you hear it? Do you see it? Because until you do, your pastor's going to say, just keep going and looking. Just keep looking. Keep coming back on Sundays, keep coming back on first Thursdays, keep coming back to the small groups, keep coming back to all those things, but, but do you see it? And I would encourage you, when you see it, let them know. Let them know, so at least they know, okay, guys, we got a few people that see this. And I know all of you believe in your pastors. I know you want this church to succeed, but I want you to know they believe in you. They want you to succeed. It's not about how big can we get the church. It's how big can we get you. You are the church. And when you get healthy, healthy things begin to grow. And whatever you're connected to will grow. And so you have to begin to see the very things that God has spoken to you. The reason I titled my message this tonight, It's Time to Grow, is because I believe God wants to increase you. But it's going to come with rain. It's going to come with provision. And what greater church than the church that's named after water? The river. Planted by the river. You know, God brought you here for a reason. You're in this church for such a time as this. You may not be here forever, but you're here right now. And while you're here, God wants to grow you. God wants to increase you. He wants to make sure any famine is done. So this is what I want to tell you tonight. The drought is over. The drought is over. And the rain's coming. And God is going to begin to do something so great in your life. Come on, do you believe that tonight? Do you believe God has a plan for your life? Can you begin to see? I'll ask you the same question I asked my church eight years ago. Can you see? That's all I said is can you see? Pastor, can I see what? Whatever it is you need to see. Can you see your marriage restored? Can you see your your child coming back home, coming back to Christ? Can you see the drug addiction leaving? Can you see all the things you've been asking for actually coming to pass? And can you see you in that picture? If you can, God wants to do something in your life. I believe the climate over your life is changing this year. So don't look to the former things the Bible says. Don't look to the things of old, but look ahead. The Bible says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. You may have a famine taste in your mouth, 
but God's bringing something new. Jesus said, taste and see. Come on, there's something new coming in your life. I remember my wife and I, before we ever had the five kids, we had the taste of miscarriage. That's not the taste you want. And then we had another taste of miscarriage, and we said, this is not what we want, man. That's not what we signed up for. We wanted children. And then God gave us Jaden, gave us Gavin, gave us Landon. We thought, man, we're like a baby-making factory over here, right? She was done. She closed up shop. No more babies. I said, but man, I want a girl so bad. Finally, she decided she was going to have another child. And so we tried again. Miscarriage number three. Miscarriage number four. I, I didn't want to go back to that taste. But I had, I had seen that. I had tasted that. And I didn't want to revisit it. So we said, no, that's not going to be how we end this. We begin to pray. And the Lord gave us not only what I wanted was a girl, but he told me we were to have a fourth son. And it's a whole other message I could come back and preach one day. But he gave us double for our trouble. And the Bible says that. And so now, my last taste was not miscarriage, was not death, was not famine. It was more than enough. It was good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God wants you to have a taste where you say, God, I knew it was going to be good. I just didn't know it was going to be this good. He's faithful. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Amen.